Welcome to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning practice. My name's Marcus Garrett. I'm an AMSI Schools Outreach Officer. And today I'd like to introduce my colleague, Leanne McMahon. Hi, Leanne. How are you? Hi, Marcus. Very well, thank you. Now, Leanne, do you want to tell us a little bit before we start about what you do at AMSI Schools and where you work? Well, much like you, I'm an outreach officer. I spend most of my time, though, in central Queensland, in Mackay, working with uh, teachers and students to try and improve mathematics teaching and learning. So shifting between sunny Melbourne and even sunnier Mackay. That must be interesting sometimes. It's lovely. Yeah. Now, today um, is the first part in a series called Multiplication Matters that we're going to bring to you. We're going to focus on what we call multiplicative thinking. And that is why it's important to be able to understand the mathematical concept, not just of multiplication, but, but a, a way of thinking multiplicatively. Why it's important and how it underpins so much of our mathematical understanding. I had uh, an interesting... Uh, situation uh, quite a few weeks ago, Leanne, when I was talking to a group of parents in a school in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales, and there was a grandfather there who was very passionate about his granddaughter's education. And he was very concerned because he said to us, you know, back, back when I was at school, it was just a matter of learning our times tables. I don't think kids learn their times tables properly. I don't understand why, why, why it's all so complicated these days. Oh, yes, that's something that I think all teachers have come across. Mm. Uh, and recently, too, it's not just grandfathers that believe that learn your tables and you know your maths. I don't think that's enough, though. No, no. I, I, it's something that's common from parents and even sometimes students, I think, as well. So what is multiplicative thinking? Why is it not just times tables? Yes, multiplicative thinking is a lot more than just times tables. We need our students to be thinking flexibly and efficiently, and we need them to be working with a large range of numbers. Mm. We want them to understand the relationship between the numbers and be able to use those relationships to solve problems. So it's not just about following a process. Is that what, you, what you're saying? It's, it's not just about learning something by rote, but it's a way of thinking and being able to solve problems flexibly. That's exactly right. And you will hear people say, you know, just learn your tables by rote. And that's one of the things that I think is really important. That distinction between learning by rote, which is learning by repetition. Mm. Three, two, six, three, threes and nine. You need to be able to use that in context. Yes, we do need to, to memorise it but we need to have an understanding of the multiplication facts. Yeah, it's, it's often not really an either or, is it? It's, um, I think knowing number facts is useful because it reduces students' mental load when they're solving problems, but they have to be able to use that understanding to solve the problem in the first place. Absolutely. So what then, if we're thinking about um, multiplicative thinking as a way of, of, of thinking mathematically, where does that start? What, 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 is, what is the starting point for students when they begin to think multiplicatively? Well, 
I guess there's two ways in which students need to understand multiplication. There is a conceptual progression and then there's a pedagogical progression. Hmm. So in any, when when we learn anything, we go through a pedagogical um, progression. We start off with concrete, move through representational to abstract. And I'm going to give you the example of a baby who points to an apple. They want an apple. Okay. That is an absolutely concrete example. They then move to saying the word apple when they want an ap- apple, which is representational. And finally, by the time they're about five, they can write the word apple. Oh. So that's an abstract concept. Now, we need our students to be doing this with multiplication. So the concrete, they're moving their counters around. They're actually seeing that three groups of five counters ends up with 15 counters. Representational, they can then draw arrays or form equal groups, drawing them without actually moving counters around. And finally, the abstract is writing three times five equals 15 and actually understanding that that could mean three groups of five or it could mean three rows of five or it could be an arrangement in some other way. Have you ever come across students who... uh, So I would imagine that most students would be thinking abstractly in terms of multiplicative thinking by the time at least that, you know, they're in, say, year five and six, hopefully a little bit earlier. Have you ever seen examples of students who perhaps haven't gone through that 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 uh, pedagogical progression, as you call it, um, even by the time they're at high school? Is that something you've encountered before? Definitely. I am secondary trained and so have a lot of experience teaching year seven and eight. And I think sometimes as a secondary teacher, we have the expectation that when our students come in, they are thinking abstractly. We don't really provide them with a lot of um, opportunity to use concrete materials. In fact, there's only one school that I've taught at that actually had concrete materials available for their maths classes at year seven. Sometimes we go for representational models, but mostly we expect them to be thinking abstractly. So, yes, there, there will be... I would say two to three students in every class that are still on the concrete stage and need those sorts of concrete materials. Yeah, I'm thinking of your average Year 7, 8 textbook. Um, (laughs) You know, the beginning of the chapter, we might have a diagram or a picture or something representing, you know, for example, if it's it's the Year 7 and 8 fractions and decimals topic, which is, you know, quite a significant chunk of that, that early high school curriculum. So we might have a diagram and a picture, and then the rest of the textbook really is is just just those symbols and numbers, the abstract. Oh, Marcus, we don't have time for that sort of nonsense. <laughs> We've got to get through the curriculum. Yes, that's right. So, you mentioned the the conceptual progression. Let me let me put it this way: in English, so if we're learning English, um, you know, from an early age at school, we start with learning individual words. So we learn to write and read individual words. We begin to make progress there, and then we're putting the words together in sentences. So the sentences begin to make sense. We're combining sentences then into paragraphs, and then we're actually using those paragraphs to create text and and to create meaning. So we're we're describing situations, or we're you know writing an information report about something. 
that 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 is a progression of ideas that we're gradually building up bit by bit until we can read and write fluently in English. Can, is there a way of describing the development of multiplicative thinking in a similar kind of way of developing um, the concepts for multiplying um, from an early age? There certainly is, Marcus. Um, it's something we discussed at the beginning. When we're talking about the conceptual progression, we start with sabotizing or subitizing. (laughs) (laughs) Tomato, tomato. tomato. Yes. Um, It's something that we start very early and children start before they even uh, begin school where you can recognize numbers without actually counting them. That is so important. It's important in trusting the count and if students are going to think multiplicatively, they have to actually realise that I know that that's a group of three, so I don't have to count it. Ah, right. So that's really important. If if students don't have that, there's there's no point going on. So there'd be a lot of prep or kindergarten or foundation teachers who, when they're doing supervising or subitizing exercises with their students, they're actually commencing the process of multiplicative thinking. Yes, all of those early years teachers who are doing that sort of thing, they are making very, very strong inroads into students' understanding of multiplicative thinking. So there you go. Um, We then go on to repeated addition and that occurs very early too. That tends to occur in the prep years um, where you you can see it on a number line going up by ones initially uh, because ones do have multiplication facts and then twos, threes, fives, tens. Um, so I'm doing some skip counting at this stage. I probably that, I probably would be doing that in class. Skip counting is very, very important. It's important for a number of reasons to see those patterns. If students are doing skip counting, they can see it as repeated addition. Sometimes students can actually visualise it as multiplication before they actually understand what multiplication is. Really? Yes. It's it's They can actually see that they've made three jumps in a, a three jumps of five. And it's 15. They get to 15. There are students that are thinking a lot more in a lot more advanced way than some others. But And I can see that, that, that the, these two things kind of relate to one another. So just to jump back and talk about, you know, you were, you were mentioning the concrete representational and abstract way of thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I can see there then that it would be important for teachers to both show that skip counting happening. So, you know, here's a group of three counters. I'm going to repeat it four times, how many have I got? I've got three, I've got six, I've got nine, I've got 12 counters. But then to also show that representationally on a number line and show that the same thing works when I do jumps on the number line. That's it. I don't think number lines are used enough. Personally, I'd be using number lines for everything. And skip counting along a number line is a fabulous way of showing that you're moving up by three, five, whatever, getting bigger, making the same size jumps every time. Yep. If I go backwards, what am I doing? You can start thinking about that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, so consistent increments. So we can That's see how that relates to measurement. That's and, and, right. And I'm going to preempt you a little bit for a couple of podcast time when we can even show that division can be repeated subtraction. That's exactly right. And, and to see that, to understand what that is, and to show that they are equal jumps 
meaning that they are, they are equal groups. Ah, and yes. that goes on to that next model that we're looking at of arrays where we have, we move from those equal groups to rows of. Ah, uh, yes. And um, that that is very important then in the area model understanding. So they understand that there are five rows of three. And then you can look at that as those five rows of three take up an area of 15. I've um, seen a routine in one of the schools I work in that a teacher uses to help her students actually remember their number facts, but she uses grid paper and has the children colouring in those those arrays or those areas so they can show, for example, that six rows of seven are 42 because they've coloured in 42 squares. squares. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's, a, there's a great game you can play with that, the multiplication game where, you know, you throw dice ah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, colour in the areas. And, and you can make up your rules as you go along. You can say, all right, well, if I have five rows of 10, can I have two rows of 25? Ah. You know, that sort of thing. That yep. that's, that's comes to the next step in our progression, which is using the arrays and the area in partitioning numbers. Uh, right. Now, that's – so that's really important, isn't it? And I, I often think – and I, th- I realise, too, that when I moved from high school teaching into primary school teaching, why that was so important. So my original background was as an economics teacher and teaching – Year 11 and 12, economics and income expenditure analysis where we were using algebra. (laughs) And the idea that when we multiply numbers out, we can actually break those numbers apart and then we have to add the parts back together. That's often missing from children's understanding when they move from primary school to secondary school. And it's that bit that they're missing, isn't it? That's right. And often because they have been taught very well their basic multiplication facts. So so they're single digit numbers. But what about when they get to the double digits and they're taught the process? So they get taught an algorithm and they don't actually understand that if they're multiplying five times 17, they're multiplying five times 10 plus five times seven. By using that algorithm, that's what they're doing. Mm. But it doesn't, it's not very clear when you see that algorithm. Whereas if you use the area model and arrays, it is far clearer that that's what they're doing. Yeah. So we then, you can, you can then understand we get, to, we, we then get to two digit by two digit. That's right. And this is where it really starts to come unstuck for a lot of kids. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. So um, we understand that say 23 times 36, for example, is 20 times 30 plus three times six plus 20 times six plus 30 times three. All those four components That's right. whereas, need to be added. Yes, yeah. whereas why, 20 ta- 26 times 32, why isn't it 20 times 30 and six times two? Or, yes, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yep. Um, the old A squared plus B squared yeah. isn't, isn't the same as A plus B, all squared. Yeah, that's right. A plus B all squared yeah. is a squared plus two ab plus b squared. That's right. And and there's there's actually it's interesting because I you know um, 
a lot of a lot of adults we, when you when you show them that you say so if I've got a plus b in brackets and I square that what's the answer a lot of adults will tell you it's a squared plus b squared missing of course two components of yes. what we call the community you know the community relationship of multiplication where we can pull it apart but if we pull it apart we have to multiply each part by each part that's right and then of course if we miss that and we hit algebra in about year eight or nine, mm-hmm. where we're all at sea. Yes, that's right. Unless you have someone like Mr. Donahue who told me A squared plus B squared is A squared. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've had someone drill it into drill you. it into yeah, me. That's right. There you go. So so far, you know, when we're talking about the conceptual progression, we've we've gone from subitizing to repeated addition into understanding multiplication um, through arrays. We've moved that into the area model. Where to next? Well, after we've really got that commutative law happening, yep. uh, we need to move on to fractions because right. fractions and fractional thinking are a very, very big part of multiplicative thinking. We cannot understand fractions unless we do understand that multiplicative thinking because a fraction really is division, which is the opposite of the multiplication process. Yeah. So we really need to understand fractional thinking as a part of multiplication. Yep. And that's um, that's probably a, a topic for a whole new podcast series. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think we can call that of means times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then lastly, rates and ratios that include percentages and um, you know the, the areas where you really apply a lot of this multiplicative thinking to problem solving. And we'd be normally well into high school by then. Well mm. into high school. Uh, we try and try and look at ratios in year seven, mm. not always successfully. Yeah. But then we can, you know, once they get a bit of algebra behind them, ratios become a little bit easier, I believe. Yeah. Ah. So as we're understanding this, don't forget that students do need to understand that division is intrinsically related to multiplication. All right. There's another idea for a podcast for yeah. you, Marcus. Good. You're listening to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, and we're having a chat today uh, in our first part of a series called Multiplication Matters. I've got Leanne McMahon with me today. Uh, don't forget, too, if you are interested in some of the materials supporting uh, these podcasts, don't hesitate to check out our Calculate website, https calculate.org.au. On the website are lots of teacher support materials. Specifically, there are some modules. So if you'd like to check out some content modules about multiplicative thinking, go to Professional Learning, the tab on the on the website there, and you'll find some, some teacher support modules. Also, there's lots of classroom resources like games and activities and units of work. If you go to classroom and then then go to the, the classroom resources tab. So Leanne, going back to why kids really some kids really struggle to develop multiplicative thinking and a full set of multiplicative thinking skills. I remember a, a couple of years ago I was in a classroom in a Victorian school and we did that a very classic Joe Bowler number talk 18 times five. And it was a year five class. And probably uh, about probably four of the six kids that I asked who got the question correct, when I asked them to demonstrate how they did it, they literally counted five 
18 times. So it was a repeated 5, 10, 15, 20, so that they did that 18 times. So clearly those kids were still thinking additively. Yes. They were, they were doing multiplication by repeated addition. So how can we then help kids by understanding ourselves the variety of skills and structures around multiplication? That's a really good question. One of the reasons that students struggle to move from additive to multiplicative thinking is that they haven't been given structures that, or the different structures. They might have been given groups of, mm-hmm. they might have been given arrays, but there are a number of multi- multiplicative structures that we can use to help students understand multiplication on the whole. I'm using Anne Dalton's work from 2008 to explain this. She suggests that there are five different multiplicative structures. So starting off with equivalent groups, and that's that's something that students have a lot of uh, experience with. You know, they, they, they start actually by sharing and they know about the concept of equal groups. They, they get that, don't they? they? Because if they're sharing out a bag of lollies, <laughs> they want to make sure everyone's got the same. And that's why equal groups are so important. And yep. they have, children have an innate sense of justice yes, and fairness. Yes, they do. <laughs> so that equivalent groups is a really good way to start. So um, at the, the example on the table, there are six bags of lollies with seven lollies in each how many lollies altogether, okay? And that is your classic, they can write six times seven. They can move very clearly. What I have just said is uh, representational. You could actually put the the lollies on the table, which is the concrete. Then you've got the representational and they can come up with the abstract six times seven. Mm -hmm. So then you could do the allocation and rate, which one pack of cards costs 50 cents. How much would eight packs cost? Right. And so in that case, they're multiplying eight times 50. But it's it's different to groups of. It's not eight groups of 50. It's a different structure that yeah, they're using. Yeah, I see. So it's it, yeah, I can see how conceptually I'd think about that in a different way because I'm, I'm thinking of uh, amounts, not groups. Is that, does that kind of make sense? I, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a little more abstract. 50 cents. You don't have 50. Yes. Not these days anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is it, it is not so much a group as a number. Yep. Uh, the rectangular arrays, we've mentioned quite a few times. Mm. Uh, the example that I've been given is I planted 12 rows of lettuce. There are six lettuces in each row. How many lettuces did I plant altogether? And that's really essential for when we get to area and, and understanding the the measurement concept of area. That's exactly it. And if we teach arrays properly, then when we get to teaching area, we don't have to teach a formula. We don't have to teach them length by width Mm. because they actually understand that conceptually. They understand it because they understand about multiplication. Mm. Then there's times as many. Jasmine has $8. Raya has three times as much. How much money does Raya have? Ah, right. Okay. And finally, the Cartesian product, which is something that comes in a little bit later. Sharif has five shirts and three pairs of pants. How many different outfits can he wear? Ah, so that's 
combinations, really. We're, yep. we're talking about combinations. And, of course, we start to unpack that when we get to probability. Absolutely. So they all link, don't they, really? Like the, the other strands of maths that teachers teachers will be aware of, measurement, geometry, probability, statistics, that multiplicative thinking and being able to understand multiplication in a variety of different ways is really important to understanding in those other areas too. Very important. And it's that transfer, being able to transfer those concepts into those other areas that's absolutely vital. And if we just teach them five twos are 10, five threes are 15, five fours are 20, how are they able to get that transfer? Whereas if we're teaching them these structures and enabling them to apply them to different situations, then the use of the multiplication facts will help their memory. We do want them to memorise it, but that rote learning is not going to help them in these if, unless they actually understand these different structures. So it really, that's why it's multiplicative thinking and not just learning to multiply. That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. We're thinking. They have to think. I reckon next time, Leanne, in our next podcast, we can have a chat about some of those in more detail about some of those conceptual steps that kids take and start to unpack those a little bit further. I think that's really a good idea. Yeah. We've, we've glossed over them. Okay. So thanks very much for coming in today. That, that's been a pleasure having a chat to you and, and, and getting your, your knowledge and expertise on multiplicative thinking. It's my pleasure, Marcus. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Maths Talk by MC Schools. My name's Marcus Garrett. And today we've been talking about multiplicative thinking, the first in a series called Multiplication Matters. For our show notes and information on this podcast and more, head to our AMSI Schools Teacher Support webpage at calculate.org.au and we'll see you next time. Thanks today to our sound recorder, Michael O'Connor, our editor and producer, Nadia Abdalal, And of course, to our special guest today, Leanne McMahon.